All right, everybody. It has been a long summer, a hot summer. Hot summer, a lot of change. To the least. You went from getting sleep, <clears throat> excuse me, to getting no sleep, huh? Not a lot of sleep. Actually, I've been getting more sleep than my wife has been getting. There you go. That is That's true. That's the difference. But we had a baby. Watson family has a baby On in the route. Way. In route, yep. Due Third date. trimester for Katie. So due date, November 12th. So November 12th. Dude, that's going to be here in a hot minute. Finally got the first boy. So Carl and I had to keep the arranged marriages going. So for all the kids. Trying to keep it even. Exactly. Well, welcome back to the Text Lab podcast. I'm pumped, Will, to get going into another series of the podcast. This week, we are kicking off our Roman series, uh, which promises to be a very enriching study in the book of Romans that I'm really excited for. And it's good to have the the text lab back and up and going throughout this series. For our listeners that don't know, this is the text lab where every single week we do a deep dive into the text, really just to help you prepare for life groups this week. Our goal is simple, to help you be a disciple who makes disciples. So whether you're leading a life group or just trying to do some deep dive on your own, we hope the text lab helps you have a meaningful study, reflection, conversations about what God has said to us in his word. Well, let's jump in Romans 1, 1 through 15. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and who declared who was de- and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you who also are in Rome. So, Crawl, man, what do you see going on here? This is such a, man, I love the book of Romans, and I love it for multiple different reasons. One, because of which I'm a nerd, and throughout the history of the church, this has been a pretty impactful book that God's used in a lot of really neat and cool ways. So, Carl, what's the first thing that kind of jumps out to you when you read this? Well, I think it's important to understand a little bit of just audience context. What's going on? as a whole here, as we jump into Romans. Um, 
excuse me, Paul, the author, uh, likely wrote this from Corinth during his third missionary journey. Um, eventually, his goal was to get to Spain to preach the gospel. And he really has this vision for the gospel going to the ends of the earth. Think about what the known world would have been like to Paul at this time. The ends of the earth would have been reaching the outer edges of Spain, and Rome would have been this city that felt like the edge of the earth um, to their world. And so his, his goal is to continue for the gospel, just to spread and multiply and grow to the ends of the earth. Um, but he first wants to visit Jerusalem to deliver some money that he's raised, but then eventually to get to Rome. So he's writing this letter to them. Um, a lot of correction happening in this letter, so addressing some very specific things about uh, unity and disunity in the church. Uh, his audience is the Church of Rome, which is made up of a good mixture of Jewish believers in Jesus and non-Jewish believers. And uh, that's going to create some tension in this book. Yeah, I, it, it will create some tension, but also it's it's good to remember that Paul is like, this is not Paul's theological treaty. I think that's how a lot of us, <clears throat> excuse me, think about this book. Um, but really what's ha- happening here is this is a book that's written about unity and a book that's written about mission. This is a book that Paul is saying, no, 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 for the sake of the kingdom, because of this is who you are in Christ, you're sent, you're sent to go live as a missionary in all of these places. Don't let these secondary ideas detract you from that. That's really what Paul, as we're going to dive into here, it's a, it's a missionary book. It's, it's, it's almost like more of a missionary treaty than anything else. Yeah. And and he's going to talk a lot about what we call communitas here at VG, which is uh, a group of people living with a common master and a common mission. And both of those are, are so key where, where there's this unity that's coming together because of who they are in Christ. You have these um, non-Jewish believers and then also very traditional Orthodox Jewish now believers in Jesus. And there's just going to be a lot of tension that's created about them. But Paul's going to continually talk about how because of what has happened in Christ, now we are united with him. But then also the common mission that is happening. Like you said, this is a missionary book where there is this unity that's happening because of their common mission in Christ, their common goal, their common purpose of the gospel and the kingdom spreading to the ends of the earth that changes everything about their relationships with one another. Yeah. And and I love how he starts this out in one through seven. It is very Trinitarian in nature. If you look and you see <clears throat> Paul, a servant of who? Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. He's called to be, a, be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. And, and he, he goes and dives into this and says, look, this is like, Jesus has been promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning Jesus, right? Who is, he's this descendant. He's this king who's descended. So he starts out with this like passage of saying like, we're going to get to the missionary stuff. We're going to get to this communitas piece. Let's dive into what does it mean to have depth with God? Who is this Jesus? Who is the triune God? And he starts out by like this Christological, hey, you can trust Jesus because he's descended from the line of David. He has kingdom lineage. And and then you start to see this movement that takes place of like, this is the true God who who called Paul to be an apostle. He, 
you see the spirit of holiness uh, by his resurrection from the dead. You see at the seven to all those in Rome, go down a little bit further. Grace and peace to you from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This whole section is like, this is who God is. And this is what he's called me to do. Let's keep chasing that out a little bit, because I think that's something really significant there, because what Paul is doing is he's tracing what um, he's doing. He's kind of giving his introduction and kind of explaining to the Roman church why they should listen to him. So he's he's really tracing his authority to the apostles, uh, which goes back to the prophets, which goes back to God himself. And now he said this has been passed down um, through the prophets, through Christ. Now as an apostle, Paul himself as an apostle of Christ, uh, to be one who is called set apart for the gospel. And I think this is where it gets crazy is Paul's going to also communicate that to his listeners that now the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. There's also this um, real authority that you have in Christ, this real priestly ministry that you have in Christ, that you as well have been set apart for Christ, for the work of spreading the gospel and the ministry of, of the kingdom. So talk about that a little bit, Will. It's like there, there's this this kind of like unfolding of uh, authority that happens throughout all of scripture from God to the prophets, to the apostles. Uh, Paul's very intentionally linking this letter that I'm writing to you, this ministry, this goes all the way back to Abraham. This goes all the way back to the beginning. Uh, what does that even mean for us as we even think about us being on the receiving and the recipients of that long line of authority and uh, spirit that has been passed down. Well, I love how you said it. <clears throat> Paul is not using his um, apostleship as a tool to say, like, you can only listen to me. Paul is saying, actually, where the authority draws out of is not me. It's actually in the triune God who gives me this authority. Like, Jesus is the great prophet. Jesus is the great priest. Jesus is the great king. And because I have been called and received that, there I'm able to step in into the gap. I'm able to step in and say, hey, God is using me as a mouthpiece here for this generation for these people, but he's actually using us too. Like, that's what I love is like, Paul's not saying, you know what, guys, you got to listen to me, but you can't listen to anybody else. Like I'm the only one he's actually saying, no, and we're going to see this as we trace through, uh, the book of Romans is he's actually saying, no, you're, this is who you are. This is who like God has saved you for this great work that we're going to see in the future. God is, God is working in you. He's called you. He saved you just as much as he saved me because of this lineage of who Jesus is as prophet, priest, and king. Right there in six, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. He's linking the, what the prophets have done. He's linking the authority as the descendants of David Christ on the throne, the spirit of holiness now to all you who are called in Christ Jesus. And I love what you said there. It's not because of how awesome we are or how good we are. It's because we belong to Christ. That's going to be a major theme of Paul's letter of um, finding a identity per se uh, in who Christ is, that you are in Christ. He'll use that language a lot, that Christ is in you and that you belong to Christ Jesus in that way. And because of that, you as well has received this really apostolic um, calling to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of all um, to believe in him, uh, his name among all nations. And I love that movement in verse eight, right? Because what, what Paul is doing is he's saying like, this is who we are. This is the ministry that we have. And he's like, look guys, this is what's actually happening. 
I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Right? He's saying, man, this is actually going out from you. He's saying like, this is the spirit of the gospel that is happening in your life and it's coming out of you. And because like all of the stuff that we're going to get to in the second part of this book is a direct correlation to God saving both Jews and Gentiles. Like it's the work that saves to draw these people in that cause the issues, right? Like I love the Martin Lloyd-Jones quote that, um, that disease doesn't live in a morgue. And that's so much of what we see here in this text. And then also we see in our church, in our own lives, man, is like, there's a, there's a griminess to life and living on mission together and just stepping into the muck and the mire. That's actually good because it's revealing the gospel in our own hearts. It's showing us the need for who we are in Jesus time and time again, which that as the end goal for the reason of the apostolic authority being passed down through Paul and passed on to us, passed on for everyone who belongs to Christ Jesus is so that the gospel can go out to the ends of the earth. The The reason for our brokenness, the reason for our messiness, it's not for ourselves. It's not for kind of some self-actualization, some sort of like self-realization process. No, like the, the beauty of our brokenness is that Jesus is made to look great and that Jesus' name spreads to the ends of the earth. Think about that. Jesus takes your brokenness. He takes your sin. He takes your helplessness. And he says, I'm going to use this for kingdom advancement to the ends of the earth so that every single person can believe in the name of Christ Jesus. I think so much of what happens in the church only makes sense with that communitas of a common uh, master and that common mission though that that's what all of this is about suddenly everything starts to find its right place when we keep our eyes focused on that common mission and it starts to go awry when we lose that focus which has happened a lot in the church of late yeah it's happened a lot of the church of late but even then i there's this augusta quote about this text where he says um we've gone from proud saul to little paul and he's saying like, we say that again. He's gone from proud Saul, who the pre-conversion, Paul's name was Saul, to little Paul. And he's not saying like in stature. He's saying it in a way of like humility. Mm. And he's saying it in a way of being like, when Paul experiences Jesus, he's able to say, hey, I have authority, but only because of who Jesus is, not because of anything that I've done. Preach. Yeah. And like, and when we get to that point, that's where like, that's where humility is at the core of this book and at the core of communitas and as an everyday missionary, right? Because we realize it's not about ourselves. We have our prayer watch card because we realize prayer is the work. God is the one who's actually going to be the one who's doing this. It's not going to be about us. It's going to be about how is God working and moving and what is God actually inviting us into the where it gets tricky and where we need to just like humble ourselves is like when we think we can do it on our own that's like the continually thing is like we want to live a desperate and dependent life where we're continually reminding ourselves of our weakness our sin our inability paul is very clear of his inability now like in what that's doing is it's not highlighting Paul's sin. It's actually highlighting the beauty of who Jesus is and his power to use someone like Paul, who was a martyr, who martyred the Christian faith and now was saved, transformed, and now, as Augustine says, little Paul. Which is a lot of what this 
whole series we'll talk about where we'll talk about theology. Also, we'll talk about tone and timing of theology, which is really something that only little Paul can deal with, which is really something the whole book of Romans is dealing with is talking about because of your common unity, because of your common mission, that's going to change the way fundamentally we deal with our differences. There's still going to be differences. There should be differences. There's still going to be disagreements. There should be the disagreements, but the way you go about all of those, the tone that you go about those, the timing, the humility or pride is changed because of this common unity, this common mission in Christ. And I, I think this is one of the most significant things for the church to grapple and wrestle with in America today, at VG, in El Dorado Hills, because so much hangs on the balance of this, of are people experiencing and seeing believers with a love that truly points and is representative of Christ? Or are they seeing Christians fighting against one another, fighting against the world and against non-believers, really not that they have something for them, but they have some, they want something from them, that they're against them. And do they recognize any sort of real sense of unity that happens in the fellowship of believers? That's going to have a lot to do with the t- uh, tone and timing of your theology. So, Carl, what's one thing that you're taking away from this week <clears throat> as we're starting Romans and like one, I would say this, one thing that you want to take away, but also one thing that you're looking forward to for your group as you step into this week? Yeah, I think I'm personally really excited just to really wrestle and kind of even have our whole church just sit in this for a while of like, as we all really think about what does communitas mean? What does communitas look like? What does it really mean and look like for us to take seriously the things that Paul says in Romans about this common unity and about this common mission? Um, that's something, man, that is so rare in in the world and in the church today. And I also think it's where everything hinges on for effective mission to the world is in having this fellowship of believers that are loving one another well, loving one another deeply, um, seeking to set aside my preference for the sake of others, uh, walking in humility with one another, uh, with theology, tone, and timing that, that are all happening at the same time. So I, I think I'm just personally excited. Like, this will be good for my own soul and really just good for our whole church community to sit in as well. What about for you, Will? Yeah, I agree. I think that there's a humility that we're able to step into in the book of Romans um, that ironically uh, tends to bring about some pride, typically, right? <clears throat> so I love the idea of being like, actually, let's look at this book in a different way where this is going to drive us into mission. It's going to drive us into being an everyday missionary because of who we are in Jesus. I love that for our church. And I love that as we step into it for like our life group. I love that for our group to be say, to be able to say like, let's have discussions and let's have like depth. Let's not lose that. But I also love saying like next week, let's throw that, let's throw that block party so that we can invite people over who don't love Jesus. Let's, let's walk through our pray watch list and say, Hey, these are the people that I'm like, God's doing work. They're seeking. Let's keep praying for them. Let's keep inviting them into spaces together so that we have this pray watch overlap that God's actually doing something incredible in that space. So good, man. So good. Well, whether you are working out at the gym, uh, sitting at the coffee shop, mowing the lawn or driving your car, wherever you like to do when you listen to podcasts, we hope you feel equipped, encouraged and ready to walk through the text just a little bit more with your group this week. As always, do your own prep. Let the spirit lead you and know that you are the one who has sent 
by God this week to your family, to your school, to your work, to your coffee shop, to the gym, and to soccer practice. Wherever your Pray Watch community might be and wherever God invites you to go this week. Where you are sent to be the living proof of our loving love. We love you all and we'll catch you next time on the Text Lab.